Well, good morning, everyone. Good morning. My Bible's opened up to 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1. We're going to begin there in just a moment. I'm going to rip off several verses that will undergird everything that we're going to talk about for these next few minutes. So help me and help yourself by opening up a Bible to 2 Peter, the first chapter. And as you're turning there and as you're getting settled in for this part of our worship, I will join in the welcome from earlier. It is great to see everybody this morning. It's great to have a, a full and complete house as compared to last week. The weather, I know, prevented lots of folks from being able to get out last Sunday morning, so it's good to get to stand up and to see a full house like, like normal here and to be encouraged by your, your, your participation in the worship service this morning. Appreciate it so much your hearty singing and uh, Mitchell and the good leading of those songs and the good prayer that was offered a few moments ago. And I hope that I'll do my part in leading us in what I hope will be a profitable and good discussion of the Word of God. I'm reading here in 2 Peter chapter 1. I'd like to read verses 5, 6, 7, and 8 to begin with. In 2 Peter 1, beginning in verse 5, Peter says there, For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they will keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Back in 1934, Hall of Fame St. Louis Cardinals pitcher Dizzy Dean had just an amazing season. He finished the season with a record of 30-7. and He led the league in wins, in strikeouts, and in shutouts. He won two games in the World Series, including the seventh and deciding game against the Detroit Tigers to win his team the championship. At season's end, Dizzy Dean was named the National League Most Valuable Player, and with very good reason. The following year, in 1935, when all the rookies would normally report to spring training camp, the rookies got to get there early and they got to, you know, get ready and get ready for the major leagues and get ready for all that's going on with that, a reporter for the St. Louis Dispatch went to scout some of that young talent and much to his surprise, when he arrived, he saw, he saw none other than Dizzy Dean right there practicing with all of the rookies. And the reporter was really caught off guard by that because normally superstar players, especially MVP players, they don't show up early for spring training. They don't get there when all the rookies and the newbies are there. And so the reporter asked, Diz, what are you doing here? After the kind of season that you just had, an MVP season, why are you here with the rookies? Dizzy Dean replied with this. He said, partner... When you quit getting better, you quit being good. And you know what? That's exactly right. When you quit getting better, you quit being good. And that's true not just in baseball and in sports, but that's true in business. That's true in relationships. And most importantly of all, that is true in your walk with Jesus Christ. In fact, that's what Peter just got done saying there in verse 8 of our text. Peter says there that if you're not growing and increasing in the things that he mentions in verses 5, 6, and 7, then Peter says you are ineffective. You are unfruitful. You have stopped 
being good. Who wants that? Who here among us wants that? Who wants that to be said about our Christianity? None of us wants that, I don't think. None of us wants to be a failure as a Christian. Somebody who's always taking steps backwards. Someone who is regressing to the point that really we're just useless in the kingdom of God. That's not what we want. What we want is we want to be useful in the kingdom, right? We want to be effective. We want to be productive disciples in the Master's hand. And the way that that happens, Peter says, is whenever we are growing. Whenever we are growing spiritually. This morning I am pleased to introduce the preaching theme for 2019. As once a month we will have the opportunity to think about what it means to be growing and increasing in the Lord. For the next 12 months we will simply talk about various aspects of spiritual growth. We'll talk about what growth means on an individual level. We'll talk about what growth means on a congregational level. We'll talk about some of the hindrances and the barriers to spiritual growth. And we'll talk about some of the wonderful tools that help to bring about spiritual growth. We'll talk about some specific areas where we need to grow personally. Then we'll also talk about ways in which we can help others, our brothers and sisters in Christ, to grow spiritually. So many directions that we want to take this subject because the Bible's just filled with all kinds of admonitions and words about spiritual growth. But this morning what I'd like to do is I'd like to just take a few moments to... Just kind of prepare the soil a little bit. I want to just get us geared up a little bit. Get geared up for what will be an entire year of talking and thinking about spiritual growth by just looking at some of the very broad yet absolutely foundational truths about growth right out of Second Peter chapter 1. In truth, I could have developed the entire year's worth of lessons Just right out of this text. We could have done 12 lessons just right out of this text right here. But instead this morning I want to just use this passage to just introduce this first lesson and help us to develop three ideas, three essentials for spiritual growth. Three things that all of us, as we're thinking about this, getting ready for this, we want to get locked into place right now so that we can then grow in Christ Jesus to bigger and greater heights in 2019. And that all begins with essential number one. And that is it needs to start by us stopping with relying on visible results as a barometer of whether or not we are growing. Can I explain to you what I mean by that? Many of you know that I often, when I get in the pulpit, I often say all kinds of mean things about mowing and yard work. And it is certainly true that when I die, if I wake to see eternity, if there is a lawnmower in my hand, that will most certainly not be my definition of heaven, not by any stretch of the imagination. However, having said that, there is one thing that I do like about mowing. I love that when you mow the grass, you can see exactly where you've been and you can see exactly where you need to go. I do. I like that when you're mowing, you're riding the mower and you you make a strip here. Turn around and then you make a strip here. Turn it around, then you make a strip this way. And I like seeing that. There's a sense of of completion and progress to that. Hey, look at at how much I've got done. I can see that with my eyes. And I can look over here and I can see what's not been done. And so, hey, that's how much more I've got to go. I like that. Strip by strip by strip, there is that sense of 
progress. This is how much I've got done, and this is how far I need to go. That's a very visible measurement, isn't it? And so we like that. We like that in all kinds of areas of our life. And so as soon as we start talking about spiritual growth, well, that's kind of what we're looking for. We're looking for those visible strips of progress. Something that I can see with my two eyes and I can chart that out to see exactly how things are progressing. But would you look again at our text? Look at 2 Peter 1. Look at verse 8 again. Peter says, if these qualities are yours. Qualities. What are these qualities? Well, it would be the qualities that he just got done enumerating in verses 5, 6, and 7. Faith. Virtue, knowledge, self-control, steadfastness, godliness, brotherly affection, and love. Those are the qualities that are essential for Christian character. Those are the qualities that we must be growing in. But I would say this about qualities. Qualities are not the kinds of things that you can just easily identify with your own two eyes and measure. You know, you can't take out a ruler and say, oh, look, I've got six more inches of self-control since last week. You can't pull out a measuring cup. Hey, look, I've got four more ounces of godliness today. No, we want that. That's what we'd like to have. Like to have something that we could weigh, we could put it on a scale, something that we could count, something that we can mark our progress in a very visible, tangible fashion. But when it comes to these spiritual qualities... That's not how things really work. And by the way, this is a mistake that we often make when we talk about church growth. This lesson is about individual growth, but we sometimes make this mistake when it comes to church growth. Somebody starts talking about a church growing, and what do they usually use as the barometer or the measuring scale for that? Well, they usually use what I would call the ABCs. You know what the ABCs are? Attendance, buildings... And contribution. If we've got good attendance here, and we do here at Lakeside, and if we've had to expand our building or our grounds, and we've had to do a little bit of that here, and if the contribution is up, if the weekly contribution, if that's still looking good and steady, then hey, we must be a growing church. Those visible results, they speak to us. They must be telling us that we're doing something right. We're doing great. And by that measuring stick, then what that means is that means that a church like Laodicea in Revelation 3 would be a wonderful church. And by that measuring stick and by that barometer as well, that would mean that a church like Smyrna, smaller and poorer, as Jesus says in Revelation 2, well, they would be considered just an abysmal failure. But the truth of the matter is, Jesus says just the opposite about those two congregations. And so while we do want to see progress with our eyes, And I do think that the desire for that is good. It's good to want to have some kind of visible reminder of that. I believe the problem comes whenever we attempt to to quantify spiritual growth in terms of these visible, tangible, see-it-with-your-own-eyes results. Because when Peter talks about growing in these qualities, he's not talking about something that can really be seen day by day on the outside. Peter's talking about something that's happening... On the inside. He's talking about something that is taking place in your heart. Spiritual qualities that are being developed and cultivated in the heart, in the inner man or the inner woman. And so what we're talking about here when we talk about spiritual growth is we're talking about 
heart work. And while it is true that what happens on the inside, eventually it needs to work its way to the outside, and yet you're going to start to see the fruits of those things, the fact of the matter is, I can't pull out a faithometer and I could just, no, 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 no. Uh, Brandon, sorry. 50 over 15, buddy. You need to work on your faith this week. That's, that's not how that works. There's no such thing like that. I can't be looking for those sorts of things. In fact, let me just caution right here. This is a great place for me to do this. Let me caution here about measuring spiritual growth with what we often use as the barometer for spiritual growth. Be caution about using the measurement stick of church attendance. Because sometimes that is the barometer that we use for ourselves and that we use for other people. Somebody comes to church three times a week, what do we say? Oh, strong Christian. you got to be a strong Christian. They come to church every single time. Every Sunday morning, every Sunday night, every Wednesday night, every gospel meeting, that is a strong, mature Christian. They're here all the time. They must be growing spiritually. Well, the first thing that I need to say about that is, yes, you ought to come to church. Your attendance in the assemblies of the Lord's people, that will unquestionably help you in the growth process. The encouragement that we get from these assemblies, the strength that we gain from these assemblies, the knowledge that we acquire, the edification that we get, all of those things are so important to growing disciples. But you also need to know this, that just because you come into this building three times a week, and just because you park yourself in a pew, that does not necessarily mean that you will automatically grow. Would you hold your place in Peter? Look in Acts 17. I'll show you this. In Acts chapter 17, here's the only way that this going to church thing helps with spiritual growth. In Acts chapter 17, notice something about these people. We're talking here about the Bereans. And we're told that these people, yep, they came to church. They didn't just come to church. Look in Acts 17, look in verse 11. In Acts 17 verse 11, now these Jews, the Bereans... They were more noble than those in Thessalonica because they received the Word with all eagerness. And they examined the Scriptures daily to see if these things were so. These people were growing, but it's because they were engaged. They were listening. They were searching in the Scriptures when Paul was preaching. I imagine they were probably talking about it with one another as well. They were eager in all of that. And we know that it resulted in growth because the very next verse, verse 12 says, many of them therefore believed. And so yes, coming to church, it can fuel spiritual growth, but it's not automatic. The truth of the matter is, you can come here and you can sleep. You can come here and you can be bored. You can come here and you can be cynical. You can come here and you can be on your phone... And you won't grow. That will only happen when you come in here and you engage your mind and engage your heart. And so let's get essential number one locked firmly into place. And that is to recognize that this is heart work. This is something that must be taking place inside of me every single day. One fellow put it this way. He said, measuring spiritual growth is like measuring tree growth. You can't run outside every 15 minutes and stretch a tape measure around the tree. 
It takes time. And it takes patience. And that is absolutely right. Not everything that counts can be counted. And when it comes to growing these qualities that transform our character, don't get hung up, brother or sister, on trying to always measure that visibly. Because this is something that is starting and is working in the heart. But look again at 2 Peter chapter 1. Notice how Peter begins verse 8. Talking here about the hard work that goes on. Notice how he begins that verse, verse 8. Peter says, for if. That's a big word. That's a big word. It's a conditional word. For if these qualities are yours and increasing, then good things will happen. Peter seems to be saying, by saying, if these things are in you, he seems to be saying that not everybody will grow spiritually. And in fact, not everybody wants to grow spiritually. And in some ways, that's hard for me to even say. It is shocking or surprising to me that that could be said of any Christian. What Christian just wants to be lame or to be weak or satisfied to be a mediocre Christian? But it is true. It is true that not every Christian chooses to grow. And that is because of essential number two. And that is that if we're going to grow, we're going to have to be ready to put in some serious effort. And some Christians just aren't willing to put in that effort. And what that means is, is that means that not only is spiritual growth heart work, but spiritual growth is also hard work. That it takes deliberate, conscious effort To grow in the Lord. Growing in Jesus Christ, it doesn't just happen by accident. You know, I didn't really mean to grow in the Lord, but all of a sudden, one day I turned out to be this mature disciple. That's not how that happens. You'll have to want it, and then you'll have to work at it. Would you hold your place in Peter again? Look in Philippians, please. In Philippians chapter 2, there's a couple of statements that Paul makes in the book of Philippians that always stands out to me as just stressing the importance of effort. And desire. In Philippians chapter 2 is the first of those. Paul says this in verse 12. In Philippians chapter 2 and in verse 12, Paul says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only is in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. i got to tell you, you can't read that verse and come away thinking, you know what, I think I can just sit on my hands and do nothing. And somehow, in some way, I'm going to end up being a mature Christian. It doesn't happen. It won't happen. Maybe just look across the page in chapter 3. Because there Paul talks about his own life and his own efforts to grow. Paul, was that just some kind of a passive thing? Just kind of happen? No, Philippians 3, look in verse 13. Paul says there, brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining, straining forward to what lies ahead, I press, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. There is pressing there. There is straining there. There is an effort that comes. Why? Because we want to grow. In fact, as you turn back to 2 Peter chapter 1, 
Peter even uses a word in that text that just really ought to make it very clear that this requires effort. In 2 Peter chapter 1, look on down in verse 10. In verse 10, Peter says there, Brothers, be all the more diligent. Diligent. What's that word mean? Diligent means to exert maximum effort. It means to earnestly endeavor for something. And growing in Christ requires that very thing. It is hard work. It's not something that's quick. It's not something you can just throw in the microwave and get done in 60 seconds. It's not something that is easy. By the way, growing in Christ, I should say this, is not just about gathering and collecting together a bunch of spiritual data. I'm going to acquire all of this information that the Bible has. I'm just going to put all that and just log that in my memory. Knowledge is important. In fact, Peter talks there about knowledge in that list of the Christian graces there. But all of that information is really of no value until we take it and put it into practice and the information then leads to transformation in our lives. Do you want to do that? Are you willing to do that? You know, our society is all about shortcuts. And in some ways, I guess shortcuts are, are okay in certain arenas of life. I remember when I was younger, there was a video game that uh, I would play that when it got to the start menu, if you grabbed your controller and you, in this particular sequence, if you did up, down, up, down, left, right, left, right, A, B, A, B, start, it would take you immediately to the final level of the game. That was a great shortcut. Man, I'd get on there and I'd just impress everybody. Look, I beat the game. Did it in like five seconds. Well, that's great when it comes to video games. There's no shortcuts when it comes to being a mature disciple. There's no shortcuts to spiritual maturity. This is something that calls for serious, long-term effort. In fact, if you're still here in Peter, just turn back a page. Look in 1 Peter chapter 2. In 1 Peter chapter 2... Peter says something there, uses an illustration there, that really ought to provoke all of us to be willing to put forth that effort. In 1 Peter chapter 1, or excuse me, 1 Peter chapter 2, look in verse 2. Peter says there, like newborn infants, you ought to long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation. Now that is what we want, at least I hope that's what we want. That we want to grow up into salvation. But what happens if we don't do that? Well, according to this passage, we just remain a baby. And while there is no shame in being a babe in Christ, we've got some babes in Christ here in this local family. Got lots of new converts. And you don't, that's nothing to be ashamed of. Be happy that you are a child of God and that you are a babe in Christ. And we're glad to have you and we're going to help you to grow from no longer being a babe in Christ but to being something else. But have you ever thought about the problem of being a baby long term? That's a problem. That's a serious problem. And I wonder if we think about that. Spiritually, the problem of being a long term baby. Now somebody, when they think about the illustration of a baby, somebody might think, well, I'll tell you what, Josh, being a baby kind of sounds like it's a pretty good gig if you can get it. It's got some perks. Think about it. Somebody takes care of you 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. You don't have any responsibilities. You don't have to worry about a paycheck and paying bills. Babies don't even have to feed themselves. Somebody feeds you. 
There's no decisions you have to make. There's no hours that you have to keep. You get to nap a lot. That sounds like a pretty good job. I think being a baby would be pretty great. And we kind of smile and we kind of chuckle about that. But the truth is, we don't want to be a baby forever. You know, I'm glad that I'm not a baby anymore. Because since I'm not a baby anymore, that means I get to do all kinds of things. I can tie my shoes now. I can drive. I don't have to eat strained vegetables anymore. I'm pretty excited about that. Wow, I've managed to work in some comments about lawn mowing and about vegetables. Let's see if I can say something about Tiffany's dirty socks and I'll get a trifecta here today. But of course, I wanted, and I think you wanted... We want to grow up, don't we? You want your kids to grow up. In fact, if your child is not growing, what would you do about that? You'd probably take them to the doctor. You'd say, Doc, something's wrong here. Well, what's happening? This is not right. Why isn't my child growing? And unfortunately, that is also true sometimes in the body of Christ. That we sometimes have permanent baby Christians. And you can recognize these folks pretty quickly because these are the folks who do not ever seem to get serious about sin in their lives. They do not ever move out of their comfort zone to where they're doing things that God calls upon them to do that, yes, does push us out of our comfort zone, like teach or to share the gospel with another person. These are the people who always require someone else to hold their hand along the way, even when they're at a point in their lives when they ought to be the one holding someone else's hand. These are the ones who just take and take and take and take and don't ever give and don't ever put anything back in. Those are permanent baby Christians. But I'm saying to you this morning, the Bible is saying to you this morning, that you were not born again to remain a spiritual baby. We must put in the work to grow from spiritual infancy to spiritual adulthood. We want to be in a place of maturity in our walk with Jesus Christ. Why? Because we realize that remaining in spiritual diapers, that that's just not enough. That that's not going to meet with the approval of the Lord. I want to graduate from the milk of the Word to the meat of the Word, as the Hebrew writer talks about. I want to deepen my relationship with the Lord and to know Him better each day. I want to be able to overcome sin and temptation in my life. I want to be able to do more, contribute more in the kingdom of God. I want to grow. That attitude, that determination, that desire, that is what motivates us to do that hard work that is necessary to grow in Christ Jesus. Which brings me now to this third essential for spiritual growth. Because as you turn back to 2 Peter chapter 1, what Peter wants to do is Peter wants to help us to recognize that there are benefits to growing. And there really are. There are tremendous benefits to doing all of this hard work, to doing all of this heart work. There are wonderful blessings that come whenever we do that. For example, look at verse 8 again. Peter says there that whenever we are growing, that it will keep us from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's kind of stated negatively. One translation just kind of flips it and says it in the positive sense. It says the more that you grow, the more productive and useful you will be. 
And I can't speak for you, but I can speak for me. That, that is what I want. That is what I want for my existence. I want to be useful for God. I want to be productive for Him and for His cause. I want my life to not just be, I'm just kind of floating around and maybe I do something that's helpful, but who knows if I'm really being helpful. I want to know and have the assurance that my life has meaning and it has direction and it has purpose. I want to be part of something that is bigger than myself. Something that will be here long after I'm gone. In fact, something that reaches all the way into eternity. Peter says, if you're interested in that, then grow. When you grow, you will learn the power of sacrifice and serving and how good it is to give of yourself to a bigger and greater cause than just yourself. You will discover and learn the abundant life that Jesus promised in John the 10th chapter. You will find the richness that comes of having a deeper walk with the Lord. That's a wonderful benefit. And in fact, if that was the only benefit, it would be more than enough. But Peter doesn't stop there. Look at the very next verse. Look at verse 9 now. In verse 9, Peter says, For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed, from his former sins. Peter says that a second benefit of spiritual growth is that it helps to prevent spiritual blindness. And as someone who has worn glasses or contacts for more than half of my life now, I know, I know exactly what Peter is describing here. When he talks about this nearsighted stuff, I know all about that. If I take my glasses off right now, I can still... If I look close enough, I can make out the words on the page there in my Bible. And I can make out the notes in my Bible. And I can read some of that. But if right now with my glasses off, if I asked David Hatfield, are you right there, David? David's over here somewhere, I think. If I asked David to hold his hand up and to put some fingers on there, and he said, hey, how many fingers do you see? I would have, he just, I think he did, but I have no clue what was on there. I can't see that far. It's too far away for me to see. I'm nearsighted. I can't see that far. I understand about how when things get so far away that almost I'm nearly blind. Stuff that's really far away, I just can't see. And that's actually what Peter's describing there in verse 9. That here's a Christian who has just gotten so far away from the zeal and the fire and the energy that they once had when they were first cleansed from their sins. And I do believe that Peter is talking about that moment when we are baptized into Christ, when all of our sins are washed away. They've gotten so far from that that they can't even see it anymore. Over time, what happened is it it just kind of ebbed away until finally it reached a point that they just completely forgot how wonderful and amazing it was to have their sins forgiven. That's a terrible thing. In fact, I think that's the thing that Dizzy Dean was talking about. That when you stop getting better, you stop being good. And Peter says that the way that you stop that backpedaling, the way that you stop that regression, is that you grow. Don't be going backwards, be going forwards. Don't let that clarity that you once had... Think about it, do you remember it? Do you remember that moment when you came up out of the water? Man, everything was so clear. This is the most important thing in the world. Do you remember that? Can you remember that? Don't let that go away. Don't let that fade. Don't let your spiritual eyesight become dull. 
grow. If you grow, it'll just get clearer and clearer and clearer each day. It'll be clear to you as to what it is that matters the most in this life. It'll be clear to you as to what the priorities are of this life. It'll be clear to you as to the power of being forgiven. Every day you will see those things better and sharper and clearer. And it doesn't stop there. Because Peter continues on in the next verse by saying that if you'll grow, that growing just makes Christianity easier. Look in verse 10. He says, Therefore, brothers... Be all the more diligent to make your calling and election sure. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. Never fall. Does that get your attention? certainly does mine. How many Christians are stuck in do-nothing, be-nothing Christianity? That they're about just, you know, one more boring sermon away from just chucking the whole thing and saying, I'm done with this, I can't do it anymore. What's the problem there? The problem is, is that Christianity was never meant to be a life where we go and live six days out in the world, and then we rush over to the kingdom of God on Sunday, and we kind of try to have kind of one foot over here and one foot over there. And we're kind of sort of trying to balance both of those kinds of worlds. Sort of a halfway Christianity. Listen, that kind of double life, it is exhausting. You ask somebody who maybe has lived the life of a hypocrite, they'll tell you, it is tiring. In fact, it is nearly impossible to sustain. And that is why Peter encourages something entirely different than that. Peter says, if you will devote yourself fully to this, to the kingdom, if you'll devote yourself fully, your life, to developing and nurturing and watering and growing and then practicing these qualities, what you will find is that over time, Christianity gets easier and easier and easier. Sometimes folks look at that verse and they think that that verse is teaching once saved, always saved. Never fall. That's not what that verse is teaching. What that verse is teaching is that when I grow spiritually, I'm not just going to keep getting knocked down over and over and over again by the same sin. When I'm growing those temptations, I'm going to start to learn how to defeat them. And when I grow spiritually, I'm not going to struggle every moment of every day knowing what's the right thing to do here. No, I'm going to know and I'm going to do it. The more you grow, the easier, not saying that it's easy, but the easier it becomes to live the Christian life. Because each new day we are being formed and fashioned more and more into the image of God's dear Son, Jesus Christ. Which leads right into this fourth and final benefit of spiritual growth that Peter enumerates. Look in verse 11. In verse 11 says, Peter says, For in this way there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The primary benefit, the chief benefit of growing is you go to heaven. You go to heaven. Appreciate it so much, Mitchell, leading all those songs about heaven and calling our minds and attention to that goal. Peter says when you grow, you gain access into the kingdom of heaven. And that's what all of this is all about, isn't it? Isn't that why we're here today? If somebody were to ask Peter, hey Peter, how do you get to heaven? Peter's response is going to say, you're going to grow there. That's how you get to heaven. And I want you to please notice that what Peter says there in verse 11, 
really excludes and eliminates this idea of, well, you know, I'm, I'm not much of a Christian. And I've never really applied and devoted myself to being a growing Christian. But my hope is, is that one day I'll just be able to kind of, kind of slide under the front of the pearly gates and get in. Or maybe I'll be able to go around back of heaven and I can climb over the fence and I'll kind of sneak my way in there. No. No. Peter says that growing Christians, verse 11, that they have an entrance that has been richly provided for them. One translation says, a grand entrance. And why is that? That's because growing Christians, that's what pleases the Lord. That's the kind of people that God is pleased with. People who are growing. And so He offers those people a rich and amazing welcome into His eternal home. Which means, quite frankly, that if you aren't growing, you aren't going. But I am determined that I am going to go. And that is because I have determined each day that I'm going to grow. Now, right here is normally where I would then like to give you just an amazing five-point formula for spiritual growth. You go home and you do this, 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 and you're going to grow. I'd like to give you here here's three things that you can do today and you'll start the growth process. But I'm not going to do that today. Because Lord willing, if the world should stand throughout the rest of this year, we're going to have an opportunity to talk about growth for the next 11 months. And I am very much looking forward to this particular preaching theme. But I would offer you this today, just by way of a take-home something. If the things that we have talked about this morning, if they have provoked within you an urgency to get serious about spiritual growth, and that really is the point of this particular lesson, then maybe just a good starting place, something that you can get working on today, would be to pray. To start praying to God for spiritual growth in your life. To beseech Him earnestly. And to then ask Him, God, give me opportunities to grow in faith. To grow in my steadfastness and patience. To grow in my knowledge. To grow in my brotherly love. Let me ask you, do you think if you ask the Lord, Lord, help me to grow, you think the Lord's going to say no to that prayer? Absolutely not. The Lord is going to answer that prayer with a resounding yes. He will help you to that end. And why? Because that's what the Lord wants. He wants you to grow. The Lord wants this church to grow. But the Lord is also aware that the way that churches grow is when individual Christians are growing. And all of that starts when we understand these essentials. We then ask God to help put our foot on that path. Now, I said in that first point there that growth is not something that you can always measure in a very visible and tangible sort of way. But I would say that there are times when you can see that growth. And one of those moments, one of those turning points, if you will, is whenever a person comes before a group of people and says, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And I am ready to turn away from sin. And I want to be immersed in water for the remission of all of my sins. That decision, the decision to obey the gospel, where you go from being a lost sinner outside of Christ to being a child of God in Christ, 
That is a very visible demonstration of spiritual growth. That is a huge step of growth. And if you are ready this morning to take that step, then we'd sure love to help you in becoming one of God's children. If you are a child of God, but it may be that you're not living a life that truly pleases the Lord, maybe that's due to unrepented sin, there's just sin in your life that you've just not taken care of. Maybe it is, as we've talked this morning, maybe it is you're just not growing. You haven't been doing anything about that. You haven't been taking that seriously. Brother or sister, recognize this also can be a turning point for you. If we can pray with you, if we can encourage you, if we can help you in some other way, then this is your opportunity to take a significant step in spiritual growth. Whatever your need may be, you simply need to make it known. Do that by coming to the front while we stand and while we sing.